The troops are back home and their remote base has officially closed. New Zealand's provincial reconstruction role in Bamiyan province, Afghanistan, is over. So what shape is the region left in and what sort of future do the locals face? Mr Speaker, I move that this House acknowledge the withdrawal of the provincial reconstruction team in Bamiyan, Afghanistan and formally thank those who have so ably served the country and the people of Afghanistan. It took less than 20 minutes for Parliament earlier this month to acknowledge the end of New Zealand's longest military deployment. In the last few days, the remaining members of the Defence Force personnel from Kiwi Base in Bamiyan province returned home to Burnham military camp, bringing an end to the provincial reconstruction team's 10-year deployment. Ten servicemen and women died during that time, eight in Bamiyan province. I'm Belinda McCammon, and Radio New Zealand returned to Bamiyan this month to witness the end of New Zealand's occupation of the province, to find out what legacy the Defence Force is leaving behind and if this is really the end of New Zealand's involvement there. We've just touched down on our first stop in our brief visit to Afghanistan in Kabul. The VIPs are preparing to depart the Hercules and they'll continue on without the media contingent. But we'll meet up with them later this afternoon. We're also being allowed to leave the Hercules to stretch our legs after the five-hour flight from Dubai. That's unexpected as initially it was deemed too much of a security risk for us to even leave the plane. When Radio New Zealand arrived in Bamiyan, it would be less than 10 days before the personnel left Kiwi Base for the last time, something that was kept hush-hush. For security reasons, all we are told is it's on track to meet the withdrawal date of the end of April, the deadline for when the New Zealanders must leave. But while the base and its operations are winding down, security is not. This is probably not going to happen. But if it does get hit and it um, ends up immobilised, just evacuate out of the vehicle as fast as you can and get to some cover. And me and Bubbles will cut you up from there and hopefully deal with it. On the ground at Kiwi Base, Lance Corporal Paul Cassidy gives us the first of many security briefings. Bamian Town, a few minutes' drive from Kiwi Base, is the provincial capital, with an altitude just lower than Aoraki, Mount Cook. The province is one of 34 in Afghanistan. It is isolated and mountainous, with a limited road system connecting it to other regions. Bamian Province, made up of seven districts, has half a million people, and it's those locals that the Defence Force and the visiting dignitaries often refer to on this visit. Lieutenant Colonel Sholto Stevens is the 21st and last military commander of the Provincial Reconstruction Team. The first group of people I would like you to have at the forefront of your minds is the half a million residents of Afghanistan's Bamiyan province. These men, women and children have endured incredible hardships over the last 30 or more years. 
they have raised their hopes. They have hoped for prosperity, for peace and for stability. I ask that you help us feed those hopes in the two or three days that you are here. The second band of people is the Afghan National Security Forces, or the ANSF. They number less than 1,500 in Barmian province. These brave men and women still operate freely around all seven <coughs> districts of Barmian. We have invested a great deal of time and energy in preparing them, not only for the next summer, but for the rest of their career as they secure this province. They are ready for the challenges that they face. The Governor-General, Sajiri Mataparai, led the delegation of VIPs to Bamyan. He says it feels right that the New Zealanders are leaving. If there's anything that has been done by New Zealand Inc over the last two years, it's to develop that confidence that, you know, that it is time for them to, to do things. And, you know, and so I think people like the director as well as the, you know, the, the, the soldiers, sailors and airmen and women that have been here have all, and the police, you know, have all contributed to making, giving a level of confidence that they are ready to step up. But while the personnel have literally handed the keys over to Kiwi Base, the New Zealand Defence Force continues to operate in Afghanistan with 27 members remaining at the International Security Assistance Force headquarters in Kabul, along with three SAS officers. Lieutenant Colonel Donald Jones is one of those staying on with the NATO-led mission at the Transition Planning Office in Kabul, as the coalition forces plan their withdrawal next year and prepare to hand over to the Afghan National Security Force. We've actually had positions in this role for um, a number of years, but it is staying on there after after PRT leaves, so yeah, at least for another year or so. How long have you been in Afghanistan altogether? Well, I've been here six weeks on this tour, but I was here on Crib 11, so I was here for six or seven months about five years ago. Can you tell, can you notice the differences? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, just amazing, the development here. Uh, we've done some of these projects, I think, um, but most of them are coming from other aid workers or, or the government. So um, a lot of these complexes here are, are not uh, New Zealand money. What do you see as the challenges over the next year? Is to maintain the progress that they've got and to maintain the enabling support, which is what the co coalition really brings to the people, to the, the security forces here. They've been, they're competent, and they're competent fighters. Um, it's really the enablers, such as air support and um, indirect fire support, like artillery and mortars and um, logistics systems. And more than that, it's just the, the governmental systems that are behind that, because that's. Um, reasonably fragile still as well. We've heard a lot about the New Zealand Defence Force legacy yeah. um, and what they've achieved over the last 10 years. Will it be a failure if in a year, two years' time, things have gone backwards here? I don't think so. You need to, we need to do what we've got to, to do, and we've done a lot. Um, compared to what they had here under the Taliban, with, there were several documented massacres with the Taliban and the Zaran people. I don't think they will see it as a failure at all. And just looking at the society that they've got here now, uh, the development they've got. They've got security, they've got their own people doing their security and they've got um, good governance. So those are the three big major ticks that we, which we want and they've got. So there may be ups and downs, but I think they're on the road. Maintaining the morale of the people, especially after the withdrawal of international forces, is talked about frequently on this trip. And there's no pretending that Afghan anxieties don't exist. 
The Minister of Defence, Jonathan Coleman, says the local police has had a lot of training so that people can have confidence in their own security forces. It's not a perfect world, uh, but I do think that the ISAF effort has put in place uh, the basis for a good future for this country. But in the end, the Afghan people need to want that. You know, the ball is in their court, so they've got to tackle issues like uh, corruption. Uh, they've got to make sure that uh, they build capacity in their institutions, things like the public service. It's a big issue. So, you know, there's still work for the Afghans to do, but ISAF has essentially done its work, and this has been signalled over a long period of time. And it's uh, certainly time uh, for us to go after uh, a decade uh, which we can be very proud of. As part of the withdrawal, the Afghanistan National Security Force has taken the lead on security in Bamiyan since July 2011. There is no Afghan army in Bamiyan province, but they do have the Afghan National Police. There are 850 police for 500,000 civilians, the lowest ratio of police to citizens in any Afghanistan province. Bamiyan's chief of police, Abdul Razak, speaking through an interpreter at the police headquarters, says he's sorry to see the New Zealand Defence Force leave, but he had no choice. He says he doesn't have concerns about Bamiyan, but he does think about the effect on other provinces in Afghanistan, especially those bordering Bamiyan, with the loss of the reconstruction team. He says while the province is known as being safe, the Bamiyan people are concerned about the vulnerability of the highways. Those highways that was they connect Bamiyan to, to other provinces like Bamiyan Baglan, Bamiyan Pawan, Bamiyan Maidan Wardak. These two provinces that they connect Bamiyan to the main province. Says in the past there used to be some activities of the insurgency was stopping passengers along the roads and search them, ask them questions, take them off their money and robbery and stuff. So once again, people, oh, they're a little bit concerned about these highways. It, and people reckon that once the PRT leave Bamiyan, maybe the insurgency will once again start these activities on along the highways. There is, of course, the ongoing foreign aid and the legacy projects, which New Zealand continues to fund in an effort to ensure the development of the province in the hope the insurgents don't return. But whoever you talk to in Bamiyan, it's hard to escape the feeling of uncertainty over what will happen now that the New Zealand team has gone. John Matarurai is the civilian director for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Bamiyan. He describes the security situation as very benign, with no major incidents for a long time, and is confident the local security forces have the equipment and the ability to operate on their own. Of course, Afghanistan faces formidable challenges, um, and it's, it's easy to say that the, the winter has stopped the fighting season. But uh, So, uh, yes, it is possible that it could start up again. Uh, well, as I said, we... Uh, we're reasonably confident that the local security forces can manage the situation. The Defence Minister Jonathan Coleman says the risks of working in Afghanistan have come home following the deaths of two New Zealand soldiers. They were killed by insurgents when their provincial reconstruction team unit went to the aid of local security forces in Bamiyan province. New Zealand has lost three more soldiers in Afghanistan. It's been less than a year since five New Zealand troops were killed in two separate incidents within days of each other in Afghanistan. Watched on by SAS troops with their faces covered, 
officials, including the Governor-General and the Minister of Defence, and the armed Afghanistan National Police gather at Bamiyan town to unveil a joint Afghan and New Zealand memorial, dedicated to those defence and police personnel who died in the province. Nils Holm is the official secretary to the Governor-General, but was the ambassador to Iran in the early 2000s, when the then Labour government decided it needed to take a closer look at being involved. In June 2003, he was part of a defence team which briefed the government on whether it was a good thing for New Zealand to take part. Back then, as ambassador to Iran, he visited Afghanistan every month for a year and a half. This is his 14th visit to the country, but his first for nearly a decade. What's your impression then? I would imagine that, that there will be quite a striking difference, particularly maybe with the infrastructure. Um, absolutely. I mean, the idea of a sealed road, I'm, I'm still goggling at uh, the amount of tarmac that we're seeing today. Uh, just that general air of, of prosperity. Back in, in 03, that people were still picking themselves up by their bootstraps and, and feeling a bit cautious about how things were going. But um, I think that the, the huge contribution that we've made, I mean, the projects are great, but the real legacy is we've changed their expectations. You know, they know that, you know, there is endless possibility out there. And, and I think I'm, I'm pretty confident that before long they'll, they'll be doing things themselves that'll make our projects look quite small. And we've given them a peep over the wall and they've seen there's a great world of opportunity and things don't have to be as they were and, and I don't think they will be again. But we can't expect them to get everything right um, straight away. There's going to be some bumps in the road. There'll be a few setbacks, won't there? Uh, well, it's inevitable. It's still a develop, developing country, but uh, President Karzai remarked to us over lunch a couple of days ago that the, per, the G GDP per capita had risen tenfold in the ten years that we've been here, and I like to think we've played our little part in that. visit to Afghanistan has been as much about promoting New Zealand's legacy here as it is about commemorating the sacrifices made. Today as the New Zealand flag is lowered for the last time, we also recall the times when it has flown at half-mast. Today we recall again the service of Lieutenant Tim O'Donnell, DSD and his parents. Private Cliff Miller and his parents at the simple flag-lowering ceremony at Kiwi Base, the Governor-General acknowledged the hard road ahead for the Afghan people. Many challenges remain for Bamiya and for Afghanistan. Years of upheaval and violence cannot be undone in a single day. Ultimately, it will be for the people of Bamiya and Afghanistan to ensure that the seeds that we have sown together will grow, flourish and establish strong and enduring roots. One of those who won't be staying around to face those challenges is interpreter Assad Ullah. He, along with 29 other interpreters and their own families, are due to arrive in New Zealand this week. The 25-year-old is married with a three-year-old son and has worked with the provincial reconstruction team for more than three years, and says he's leaving Bamiyan for the safety of New Zealand and for his son's future.
When I'm talking about safety, that means uh, still we have uh, insurgent in Afghanistan. As you know, several times they announced that we will kill or we will capture those people do they work for a coalition force so because of that uh, we decided to go to new zealand we heard uh, some information about new zealand very green country very safe country and very friendly people so yeah we will have very good time back in new zealand with uh, with kiwis in the past seven years nearly a thousand students have graduated from Bamiyan university in 2006, there were about 300 students attending classes. That number's now increased eightfold. During the Taliban era, about a dozen schools were operating in Bamiyan. Now there are more than 350, and almost 40% of the teachers are women. In 2005, only three girls in Bamiyan passed the university entrance examination. Last year, nearly 250 girls succeeded. The Chancellor of Bamiyan University, Sahadid Salim, says the New Zealand effort is 100% responsible for the university's growth, which had been decimated under the Taliban. He says the university allows students to study literally in peace, and while it's difficult to know what will happen now the team has gone, he thinks the university will continue to grow. On the other hand, the enemy do something to break the peace to change the situation, but I believe on the Burman people because they never go with the enemies of the people. They always obey the governance, always obey the peaceful situation. The governor of Bamiyan province, Habiba Sarabi, is the longest serving governor and the only female governor in Afghanistan. She's held the role for seven years, and there is local concern that she may leave to work for the Independent Electoral Commission in Kabul. Respected by the New Zealand and Afghanistan authorities alike, Governor Sarabi clearly has a warm working rapport with New Zealand. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Minister. I think the things that you have done here in Bamiyan is uh, three hospitality is nothing. And so I hope that next time you can come as a tourist and bring your family and too. we can introduce the tourism uh, 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 potential uh, to all New Zealanders, especially your family and the government of, of New Zealand. And while you may think Governor Sarabi is joking about Afghanistan being a tourist destination, think again. New Zealand recently provided funding to raise the profile of Bamiyan as a year-round tourist destination and to support its cultural heritage. New Zealand has also worked on detailed designs to upgrade Bamiyan's existing provincial airport, which Japan is now constructing and is due to be completed by the end of the year. At an official ceremony on the steps of the governor's office in the town, Governor Sarabi and the Minister of Defence shared a press conference to formally signal the handover of Kiwi Base back to the province, which owns the land. We do have this confidence that uh, the security can, we can keep the security as uh, it is at the moment. We have uh, very strong uh, police uh, chief of police and also NDS, and the, uh, the main point which is very, very important, the support of people. The people are supporting their security uh, uh, department, so in this case we do have this hope. But of course we do have some concern from the, our neighbouring province, uh, uh, which always we share. Locals are now considering security, and in particular the uncertainty around border protection and what the withdrawal will expose Afghanistan to. 
The Chief of the Defence Force, Richard Rees-Jones, says Bamyan has 10 years' worth of emotional investment and can't rule out a role for New Zealanders once the International Security Assistance Force has also pulled out. That'll be dependent on the need and uh, the government decisions about uh, New Zealand's role in that. But Afghanistan's you know, far from uh, overcoming its problems. There's still a lot of support they'll require decades ahead. Uh, whether we play a part in that as the military will be up to the circumstance and the government decision. Robert Ason, the Director of Strategic Studies at Victoria University, says much uncertainty remains for Afghanistan's future. And he doubts whether in five or ten years' time New Zealand will still be contributing significantly to Afghanistan. He says one of the biggest unknowns is how the major powers will affect Afghanistan's future. I mean, we know that the United States will play a smaller role. We know that NATO over time will play a smaller role. But we know that there are countries around Afghanistan that have interests there. I mean, we know that Russia is talking about potentially a bit more of an active role. We know Iran has played a role. We, of course, know that Afghanistan is not far from Pakistan. And we also know that China has, is developing economic uh, links and, in a sense, has the advantage of, of being able to develop those without having actually footed much of the bill in the security sense. So I actually think in a lot of ways quite a bit of this is going to it, it's partly about what Afghanistan the Afghanistan leaders do and it's partly about the very difficult combination of the election in Afghanistan in 2014 which coincides with the withdrawal of the major combat forces from the major nations on the outskirts of Bamyan, a group of children gathers to watch as we visit one of the many agricultural cooperatives set up in Bamyan to use New Zealand and United Kingdom funded tractors. These tractors on show today will prepare the ground for potato planting, a job usually carried out by oxen and wooden plough. Do they know that the troops are going to be leaving soon? They should go, they should stay here for longer. So if they're going, the Taliban will come back. Working the land is backbreaking and labour intensive, but the introduction of 40 tractors last year is transforming how a generation will farm this land. New Zealand has contributed just over $4 million to the Agricultural Support Programme and is one of its legacy projects. Angus Davidson is the Operations Manager for the Agricultural Support Programme on behalf of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. He says the achievements are a bit of a no-brainer with the Bamyan province economy based on agriculture. We're standing here on a, on a riverbed, deep, fertile, dark brown loam soil, um, and with the implementation of, of our farm mechanisation program, and specifically now that we you know we're using things like mobile ploughs, we're able to bring up all that untapped fertility that's been kept under under there for years, like thousands of years. They don't get much rain here; it's only 250, less than 250 millimetres of rain a year. So all the water comes from the snowmelt, and both crops, wheat and potato, that's about 95% of what's growing here are all irrigated using water from snowmelt. If it's successful, is there an option? That... If? <laughs> it will be successful, I tell you. Well, look, we hope so. There's potential for um, continuing the program. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of what ifs. Of course, what the landscape in terms of security will look like in three years' time, or, or in two, another two and a half years' time, no, nobody's really sure. On the other side of Bamyan is another one of New Zealand's legacy projects. This time involving solar.
The project costs $19 million and once running next month, the network will provide power to 2,500 homes and government offices will run off it too. Project director Tony Woods, also brought here by the ministry, says it's another significant scheme that will dramatically affect the livelihoods of the locals. You know, electricity is one of the foundation stones of many development activities from education to health, water treatment, um, business growth, you name it. It's, it's all hinged on electricity. So, you know, electricity in itself is not um, a development step, but what you can do with it is dramatic. While the government is investing millions in Afghanistan, the Minister of Defence has made it clear that the latest aid pledge of $2 million will be given directly to government channels. It will get to uh, officials in Bamiyan and the key thing will be that when we give that money we are going to make sure that every dollar goes to the purpose that it's intended for. So you don't need to worry that the $2 million a year will be frittered away and we won't know where it's gone. It will we'll be saying it's $2 million for these specific law and order and justice initiatives and uh, we will work with Governor Sarabi to ensure that that money gets spent on what it's intended for. At the end of our visit to Bamiyan, there is time for one last visit at the feet of the most striking images of this province. We're at the base of one of the two Buddhas here in, in Bamiyan town. So these were the very prominent statues that were destroyed by the, by the Taliban. Um, they're a real landmark here in, in Bamiyan. They're a real attraction for visitors and many of the locals also know the significance. It reminds them daily of, of how it used to be and, and uh, how their hope is, is growing for the future. Lieutenant Colonel Sholto Stevens says other nations such as Turkey, India, Russia, Japan, Great Britain are also recognising it's worthwhile investing in the people and the infrastructure in Afghanistan. Countries get more bang for their buck and see results quickly. How are you feeling about hope for the future for this province? I'm very positive and it's amazing you talk with many of the others who we talked with back in 2003, 2004, they were very negative. They were always thinking, oh, the Taliban will come back. What will we do? It will be back to the years of, of enduring hardships. But I think nowadays there is so much more positivity within the community and within the local security forces here. We're very comfortable that the Afghan police, the National Directorate of Security and, and the other Afghan security forces here have got a really good grasp on security. Much of their problems at the moment aren't actually security related, they're, they're law and order things that we face in, in any other developed country, crime rates and, and such like, so unfortunately that's a sign of progress, that there's no longer real insurgent threats, certainly here in Bamiyan, it's more law and order issues that they're facing as a challenge. The last New Zealander has left Kiwi base and the keys have been handed over. 100 truckloads of gear have been driven out and 35 air flights of cargo have lifted off. No one knows what the future will hold for Afghanistan, but after more than 10 years of New Zealand's Defence Force involvement, the message has been sent to the Afghan people. Now's the time for them to take responsibility for their own security and development. I'm Belinda McCammon and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or tweet us at rnz underscore insight. I wrote and presented this programme. It was produced by Gareth Thomas with technical production by Jeremy Veal.